left yesterday. The heart of me is strong today. No regrets, I'm blessed to say the old me dead and gone away. Hello and welcome on in Crashing the Boards, the Northwestern Women's Basketball Podcast. We're not in Evanston for this one. We're all around the country. I'm Mitt Malik from the suburbs of Philadelphia, joined by Austin Miller in North Carolina and Matt McHugh in North California. How are you guys doing? Amit, I am good. Um, we are crashing the boards, but also crossing the globe, maybe, on this podcast. Is that fair to say? Look, I'm, like all, for, I'm all for three-letter names that involve That's that kind of letters. pattern. That's three words, but close. Three words. Look, the letters, words, it's getting hard. No, no more school. My brain is shut off. Amit is in full-on break mode. We got some games to talk about. Yeah, we do. Um, Northwestern basketball sitting at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Been tough sledding recently. Two games, one against a really good opponent at home to DePaul, and then on the road at Missouri State. Um, let's start with the DePaul game. This was a, a really weird game because Northwestern started this game. Uh, they were leading 22-12 at the end of the first quarter. Just, I think they were up 18-2. Is that right, guys? And then DePaul came back and came all the way back and then kind of ran away with it at the end. But a really bright start for Northwestern, and then it kind of fell apart. Yeah, this game was pretty crazy, kind of on all fronts for Northwestern. They started out so well. Then they started to fade by the end of the first quarter. They hung with them in the second quarter, but then that third quarter, DePaul outscored them 41-9. to That's when the game got out of hand. And I mean, I think maybe they just ran out of gas a little bit. DePaul coming in, I think, was pretty clearly the more talented team, Northwestern. Might have been playing over their heads a bit to start, but just the fact that they could come out that hot out of the gate, I think that's a pretty encouraging takeaway from that game. Yeah, Matt, like 20-2 to two is a fantastic way to start that game, and I guess it, it couldn't have been that good, but I also don't think this team is as bad as giving up 41 in the third quarter. That's the second highest total in NCAA history in a quarter tied for it. Uh, it just felt like DePaul couldn't miss in that third quarter. And, and like you rightly said, things kind of just went off the rails there for Northwestern. And those quarters will sometimes happen. And, and look, DePaul's a really good basketball team, and I think they showed it. But admit, maybe the biggest storyline from this game, I think, may have been the injury to Jordan Hamilton. Um, you know, we're not sure on the diagnosis there. We don't know exactly how long she'll be out. But if it's for an extended period of time, this is a Northwestern team that is already not very deep. That injury would make them even less deep. Yeah, Austin, it happened in that third quarter, which, you know, probably went about as badly as you can imagine for them, especially with that injury. She's day to day with a lower body injury. I think she still is at this point. Um, I'd say she's probably questionable to go in the next game here against Green Bay tomorrow, probably if you're listening today on a Tuesday. Um, I think she should definitely be back by Big Ten play, at least. Again, I don't know anything. All I've heard is day-to-day, but you figure it's not that serious, and she should be back to turn at some point. But as you got, as you mentioned, also, the big takeaway is that this is already a thin team coming into this season because of just how many players they had available, and especially the, the departure for personal reasons for Amber Jameson really thinned them out. And then you lose a point guard who's playing, what, 30-plus minutes a game, the freshman point guard? And now you don't have a backup point guard on your roster because Bertie Glernick is that player. and She plays a lot as well. But now as she's getting the starting minutes, who takes over that role? We saw that in the Missouri State game. And I think they're probably going to keep taking that. But if you have, you know, seven players that you can lead on, one, you're just going to be really tired. And 
Two, that's just not feasible to go out and, and try to win a basketball game. It's really hard to do that with just seven. Yeah, that's true. Jordan Hamilton, well, she was so good, not just as a depth player for just soaking up the minutes, but what she brought to this team in terms of intensity on defense, that's, I think, what her biggest value was. We kept talking about how good this team's perimeter defense was, and she's such a big part of that. And then you factor in her offensive playmaking as well, and that's a talent that they're really going to miss, and it's a very, very hard talent to replace. Hopefully Northwestern isn't going to have to do that for a long period of time. And like you yes. said, Mitt, you kind of saw that in that Missouri State game. Uh, Northwestern just didn't have the bodies, and, and that is would be a problem for this team if that is extended. Um, you know, Maybe we'll see in this Green Bay game, maybe later on in the year, but they really need Jordan Hamilton to be healthy just because of the depth issues that they've had. Um, there have been times in my time at Northwestern that the Cats have played seven in a rotation, but that's been by choice. And it's a lot different playing seven by choice and playing seven by necessity and seven yeah. by necessity would be pretty difficult. Yeah. And you, you think about the seven they were using is a, is a much different makeup of the seven that you're rolling with now, because I think it's fair to say, Austin, the teams you're talking about had three or four at any given time, you know, bona fide. I, I think it's fair to say at least big 10 level star players that could go and make winning ball game plays. I think right now it's a new team and, they don't really have a star. They have a merging star, I think, in Lindsey Pulliam. I think Pasquinak Pana is certainly, you know, has that potential. But everyone right now is just kind of discovering themselves and their limits, their potential. But when you're down to seven, it's just really hard to, you know, make anything happen, especially down the end of these games. It's really tiring to play, you know, 40 minutes with 30, 40 minutes without a, a respite. And I think, you know, Lydia Rohde had a really good game uh, against Missouri State. And she definitely needs to handle more of the ball, I think. I know that's not her forte, but she needs to get involved more because without that point guard, they don't really you know, have another ball handler outside of Birdie, Glernick. And I was encouraging her, but the rest of the team has to be careful. I think the big thing without Hamilton is the turnovers. I know she, was, she turned it over herself, but without her, now you have people not suited to that role. How do you take care of the basketball? What I look to with... Jordan Hamilton out, especially in that Missouri State game. What I would have liked to see more is Lindsey Pulliam being that primary ball handler. Now, she likes to play that kind of secondary off-ball role. She even told me as much before the season. She loves her role as a scorer. She wants to be that two or the three who's getting the pass and then taking a couple dribbles, getting her shot. I think she's going to have to expand her game now and try to look for other people's shots, try to create shots for her teammates. And that's a pretty big step to take for someone who's already done so much in her first year. But I think that's kind of where this team needs to be at this point because I think you should be staggering her minutes with Birdie and at least have one of them who's pretty good at dribbling and handling the ball on the floor at all times. Yeah, and look, like you said, hopefully this is not a long-term thing, um, especially because that Missouri State game, as we can kind of move into talking about that, just a tough afternoon for Northwestern. They got beat by 31 points. They turned the ball over 21 times. Uh, it was just difficult. They looked like a team who was trying to figure out how to play without their starting point guard, and they really struggled with that. You know, you saw Birdie get the start. You saw Bree Hopkins play point guard. I don't know how many people would have expected Bree Hopkins to get minutes at point guard at some point during that during this year, but here we are. And, and you know, I think. This game was as much they didn't have Hamilton, and not just that they didn't have her, but they haven't quite figured out how to play without her. 
I think if Hamilton misses more games, Northwestern will maybe be a little more comfortable without her and realizing, all right, here's where we need to put these people and here's where we need to play them to try to adjust without Jordan Hamilton in the game. Because without her, they just really struggle to hang on to the basketball against this Missouri State team. It's not exactly among the class of the Missouri Valley Conference. Yeah, turning the ball over 21 times is going to do that to you no matter who you play against. And I think, you know, they they didn't shoot terribly. You know, they made some threes. Lydia Rodley definitely made some, some three-point shots. But it's it's really hard to survive when you do that. And Missouri State, 20 points off of turnovers. That's going to sink you in. And again, as you said, Austin, this isn't, you know, a team that's really going to be contending for an NCAA tournament berth. This is a team that's probably going to be contending in that conference. But you're facing seven players. You can force that many turnovers. You can win against any team if, if you have that kind of defensive performance. And I think, you know, part of the problem is, is exactly what you said. They're not used to it. I think if they don't have Hamilton going forward, it might have to be, you know, simplifying the offense. Maybe you're running, you know, less, you know, action-involved plays. It's more simple. Maybe one screen here, working the post immediately. They're going to have to lean a lot more on their inside players without Hamilton. And Abby Scheid didn't have one of her best games. She was 3 of 8 from the field, um, only 6 points. And, you know, if one of your point guards is out, Abby Scheid is clearly one of the more dynamic scorers. I'd love for her to take you know, 10 plus, 15 plus shots in a game. But the fact that only one player had more than 10 shots is indicative of the turnover problem as well. I think this is a game that, you know, you can't, you obviously, you can't erase a 30 plus point loss. It's not fair to Missouri State to do that, but you kind of have to say we had seven players, first game without a point guard. It's just a really tough day. And I I think you kind of have to just really erase it from your memory, at least if you're Northwestern. Yeah, you do. And, and also, you know, the turnovers were an issue for Northwestern. And I think some of that can be attributed to, as we've said, uh, Jordan Hamilton not playing. Uh, but on top of that, Northwestern did not defend well in this game. Missouri State shot over 50% from the field. They were 15 of 26 from behind the arc. That's 57.7%. You're not going to beat teams if you defend like that at a very regular basis. And so Missouri State just did not miss on this afternoon. Some of that was due to Northwestern defense. Some of that was due to good shooting from the Bears. Um, And that just can't happen for Northwestern going forward. One positive from this game for me, Lydia Rohde with one of the best games of her college career, 7 of 9 from the field, 5 of 7 from from behind the arc, 19 points. Matt, that's the type of shooter we know that she can be, and that's the type of shooter that maybe she has to be going forward for this team to make some noise in the Big Ten. One other note on this game, I think, before we move on. About Lindsey Pulliam, she only shot 3 for 13 from the field. Finished with single-digit points, just 7 for her in this game. And when she her shot's not on, because, to be honest, that's going to happen at some point. That happens for almost every player. They're going to have an off day, an off night at some point during the season. Who's going to pick up the scoring slack? She took 13 shots, like you said, Emmett. No one else with double-digit shots. And I think someone else has to realize that, that, you know what, maybe it's not Pulliam's day. We have to be looking to get other people the ball who can create their own shot. Lydia Rohde with that great game, but she's not the same kind of player who can create her own shot. Maybe that's Abby Scheid who needs to step up in that situation. Maybe you have to feed Palace more down low. I'm not exactly sure what the answer is there, but it's about finding out another way to score the basketball when your go-to option just doesn't quite have it that day. Yeah, definitely some some lessons, hopefully, that they can learn from, you know, two tough games. Looking ahead for the Wildcats, they're 6-6 six and six here in December, 
two more games before they start uh, Big Ten play at the end of the month. They are both at home. They get Green Bay on Tuesday at Allstate Arena. It's field trip day. Green Bay is a very, very good basketball team, one of the best teams Northwestern will see. And then they also get Eastern Illinois at home later in the week. Let's start with this Green Bay game, guys. Uh, a really talented team and a really good defensive team that we're expecting to see on Tuesday. Yeah, with Green Bay, we saw them last year, Northwestern did. And Northwestern, you got to understand, uh, we see Horizon League teams like this come out to Northwestern. We saw Milwaukee, that game last year was really tight. This year, Northwestern fell to them. That's a pretty good, at least the top level of that conference, can really play some good basketball. Green Bay coming in at 9-1, and one, top 25 team, one of the best defenses in the country. 46.1 opponents' points per game. It's going to ask a lot of the Northwestern offense. We hope Jordan Hamilton can get back on the floor for this game, but if not, it's going to have to be a lot of things working for that Northwestern offense if they want to hang in this ballgame. Green Bay, Matt, held Chattanooga to 30 points in a game this year. Uh, they took Jonathan Sippis' Wisconsin team outside the woodshed and beat them 67-34. to 34. They knocked off an Arizona State team that's been in and around the top 25. They knocked off a Marquette team that's been in and around the top 25. Their only loss this year was a 19-point loss to Mississippi State, a team that at the time was number three in the top 25. This is a really, really good Green Bay team. You and I were talking uh, pre-pod about just how good they are. Maybe the second or third best team that Northwestern will see this year. Um, This is not your typical mid-major side. This is a tall, tall order for Northwestern. That doesn't mean they can't do it. But as you said, they have to hang on to the basketball better than they did against Missouri State, or it's really hard to see them having a chance against this talented Green Bay team. Yeah, it, it, they're really good on defense. You know, you look at the statistical ranking, something, if you're familiar with me as a podcaster, I love to look at. Bring out the stats, that, baby. Bring them out. Got to get those ranking summaries out. Uh, obviously, first in the country scoring defense, uh, holding teams to 46 points a game. Second in field goal percentage, holding 31 opponents to 31% from the field. And then from three, opponents shoot 22% from three. That's just ridiculous. Uh, it's, a, it's a long, stifling team. And then you look at you know who, who's, who the players to watch for this team. Uh, they have two players in double digits, Jessica Lindstrom and Ali LeClaire, uh, both over 10 points a game. And then two players scoring nine points a game as well, Carly Murphy, Frankie Wirtz. This is a diverse offense with, you know, four legit scoring options. Uh, And as a team, they shoot, you know, they're not a great three-point shooting team, 30% from three. But Lindstrom is a very good three-point shooter, 18 of 45 from the season from behind the arc. Um, She's going to be a really tough player for Northwestern to lock down. Yeah, Green Bay is the kind of team that they just have to do enough offensively. They're not going to be a dominant run up and down the floor and just pour in buckets on you kind of team, but just going to do enough on offense and then try to ride that incredible defense to a victory. And it's been a pretty successful formula for them this year. They haven't gotten up to triple digits. They haven't broken 90 points per game at any point this year, but they've held opponents. Just look at some of these low point totals, under 50, under 50. They mostly have allowed a 67 against Mississippi State, who, like you said, Austin, at the time was a top 10 team in the country. That's it. Like, that's the only time they've allowed that many points at any time this season. They are an incredibly good defensive team. And, again, that's all they have to do on offense is just do enough to 
be up by like 15 points with that great defense and they're feeling pretty good. And Amit, if, if you want to ask, you know, how does Northwestern win this game? For me, uh, it's not going to be by, you know, scoring a ton of points. It's by pretty much matching Green Bay's formula. We've seen Northwestern play really good defense at points this year. If the Wildcats get out of Allstate Arena on field trip day in front of a lot of screaming children with a win, it's probably going to be by a score of, you know, 52 to 43, that type of game. Northwestern gets a big performance from either Lindsey Pulliam or Abby Scheid, maybe both of them, and they just defend incredibly well. Uh, they're not going to pour in the points, but Green Bay is probably not going to pour in the points either. Northwestern could muck this game up, take care of the basketball, don't give away easy buckets, and then just kind of outshoot Green Bay down the stretch, and I think they can get a win. But that's going to be easier said than done because of how well this Phoenix team defends. Yeah, I think you nailed the you hit the nail on the head there, Austin. That it's going to be a defensive game first for the Wildcats because you know Green Bay's scoring offense, if you ranked it in the Big Ten, would be second to last. Um, Sixty three points per game. You know that's actually right around where Northwestern scores a game. Northwestern averages sixty two. So you think about that. I think they'll both score less than that if Northwestern wants to win this game. I think got to keep it in the fifties, and it starts with defense. And then offense, you know, it's going to be really tough without Jordan Hamilton if she's not playing. And it's also just really tough to create against this defense. So you just need to, you know, get as many stops as you can on defense. Kind of stay within striking range. You can't let a game like this get out of, you know, 10-point reach. Because once it gets to that, a team that good on defense, 10 points is really like 20 points. You know, a five-possession, three-possession game is really like six or seven because of how hard it is to score. You keep it close, start strong, you get some stops early, and then you kind of see what happens. You know, you're in the fourth quarter, it's a close game, maybe Northwestern makes a game, but especially a, a, you know, a, loud, a loud game on field trip day. Northwestern has some experience in close games. Milwaukee was close. Auburn, Georgetown were really close games. Probably should have won both of them. They got one of those. You know, Syracuse was close until maybe the very end as well. Northwestern has a little bit of experience in that. You think close game luck evens out over time. If they could get to the fourth quarter within five points or so, I think that's the formula for success. And as you said, Austin, 100% starts with defense. Worth noting as well, 11 a.m. Central Time tip-off for this one. Uh, so if Green Bay doesn't come ready to play, it'll show. You know, you're not, your body's not used to playing basketball at that time necessarily. You're probably not expecting to play at that time on a Tuesday. But here you are. You're on the court, and it counts. Northwestern can come out energized and come out early, get the crowd behind them, get the crowd on their side, get a Green Bay side that maybe thinks, you know, we're better than this team, even though we're in the Horizon League and they're in the Big Ten. The Northwestern could absolutely have a chance here. It's all going to come down to the mindset and kind of how Northwestern is able to take care of the basketball for me. And think about this game as an opportunity for Northwestern. You talk about that mindset. You should be going into this saying, you know what, we have a chance to knock off a team that is currently in the top five RPI. Not many teams are going to have a chance to do that this season. That's pretty special for Northwestern that if they can go in there with that mentality, like, look, we can go in there and we can knock off one of the best teams in the country today in not quite our building, but with our fans behind us. That seems like a pretty cool mentality to have. So I think they should be viewing this game as a great opportunity to not, maybe if they don't come up with a win, at least play a close game and gain valuable experience playing against such a great, talented team. I think they're playing with house money, as you guys have alluded to. 
just a good opportunity for Northwestern to, you know, see where they stack up against a tough team and, you know, get some good reps against quality opposition. We'll have the call for you tomorrow, 11 a.m. from Allstate. It'll be Ryan Wegman and Noah Kaufman uh, on the team for the game. So make sure you tune in to WR Sports for that one. It'll be on air as well. So if you're in the Evanston, North Chicago area driving around, feel free to throw us on your radio. Uh, and then you look at the other game in this two-game stretch, Friday um, against Eastern Illinois. This uh, is how you close out a non-conference season, baby. Uh, should be a good old-fashioned drumming if Northwestern gets itself together. Uh, the Panthers are 1-8. and eight. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good Eastern Illinois team. They got beat by Northern Illinois by 31. They got beat by Wright State by... 36, 35, sorry, a lot of math there. Uh, lost by 18 to St. Joseph's, lost by 29 to Delaware, where they scored 37 points. Uh, gave up 93 points to Fort Wayne, lost by 9 to Valpo. They're not good. Uh, there's no way around it. They're a 1-8 team from a bad conference. Uh, this should be kind of what the doctor ordered for Northwestern. Close out non-conference play with an easy win against a bad Ohio Valley team. Set your sights on Minnesota to open Big Ten play. Right, Matt? Exactly. This is your final tune-up game uh, for non-conference play. and Any kind of more kinks that need to be worked out before that Minnesota game, this is the opportunity to do that. Hopefully Jordan Hamilton's back on the floor. If not, great opportunity to figure out who that secondary ball handler is going to be. Give a lot of people some experience as that backup point guard. This is hopefully a game where you can mess with the rotations a bit in the second half up by 15, 20 points at that point. So ideally that's what happens with this game. You can rest the starters a little bit more, get them pretty fresh before conference play. Yeah, and you talk about the statistical summary. We just said Green Bay is the best defensive team in the country. Well, you flip the script here. Out of 345 ranked teams, uh, East Illinois is 345th in field goal percentage defense. They allow well. their opponents. Well, forty-seven percent. Oh no! So how about that? Uh, you faced probably the best defense in the country, and you know, not far off from the worst defense in the country. Their scoring defense is three hundred twenty-ninth, which is not good at all. Just, just, just really bad. They give up seventy-six points per game, and also uh, a really bad rebounding team as well. I think this could be a really Big game for Palace Kunaya Kana. You saw what she did to Oakland, had that 2020 performance. Uh, their rebound margin is minus 12 a game. Uh, this is that tells me that they're not good at rebounding. And if Palace Kunaya Kana senses that weakness, she's going to have a field day of her own on the boards. Uh, it should be a, you know, I think Northwestern should really take care of business with, as you guys said, hopefully get to experiment with, you know, some rotations that they haven't seen before. All right, all right, all right. No cheating, no cheating. We're going to play a quick game here on the podcast. Uh, no looking. I'm ready, I'm ready. No cheating. Who is Eastern Illinois' head coach? All right, a couple clues. One, former coach no, no idea. of a Big Ten team. Two, coached at said Big Ten team last year. Three, is obviously no longer head coach of said Big Ten team. Any guesses? Anybody? Uh, is, it, is it the Illinois guy? Yeah, baby. Matt Bolant. Yeah. Yeah. Running I knew the they Panthers, fired their coach. Having yeah, yeah, as yeah. much success at Eastern Illinois as he had at Illinois. 
The thing is ridiculous is that he used to coach at Green Bay. Yeah, well, he's gone downhill for old Matt Bolant. Man, that's that's not a great coaching trajectory there, Matt. I hope he. I know he should have never that, left. Get Green that Bay. get that ship ready. Yeah, should have never left. Green also, Bay. for what it's he, worth, he Northwestern is the uh, the first Power Five team, first and only Power Five team that uh, the Eastern Illinois Panthers will play at any point this season. So, Matt, Actually, right. not, not at any point. They're going to make the tournament after they win the OBC tournament. Sure. So, right. don't yeah. we'll we'll keep our eyes. A trip to stores. On... The thing yeah, is, just Bollett case. made four trip, four straight NCAA tournaments at Green Bay, won the Horizon League five times yeah, in that's a row. Yeah, got him the Illinois job. And he's got the Illinois job, and now he's here. That tells you all you need to know about how the Illinois job went. Uh, very um, quickly on this game, Amit, before we do move on, uh, Grace Lennox, the only double-figure scorer for Eastern Illinois, she scored 15 points a game, a senior from Australia. You have to at least be aware of her presence. You know, Obviously, we can say that this is going to be a walkover for Northwestern, uh, but it would be in everybody's best interest if you know they're aware, all right, Lennox is the player who can beat us. Shut her down. Make this game easy. Uh, don't sleep if you're Northwestern. That, that's you know kind of the key to victory in this one against Eastern Illinois. Uh, it should be an easy win, uh, but again, it's basketball, so you never quite know what will happen. Yeah, and when you're Northwestern, you know, they're, you know every win is big. You, you can't get that many easy wins when and you look at the schedule. Especially right at the end of non-conference play. You know, you've got the gauntlet yeah. of the Big Ten coming up. It's a perfect opportunity to get an easy confidence-building win under your belt, and that would be exactly what this team will need after – what is probably honestly going to be one of their toughest stretches of the year. Yeah, I agree with you. And that being said, that's why they just need to take this game seriously. Make sure they take care of business because a win will do hopefully wonders for their confidence heading into, as you said, a gauntlet. And speaking of the Big Ten, that wraps it up for Northwestern, at least specifically Northwestern basketball top. Let's talk about the conference as a whole. Um, things are heating up a Matt, little bit in the conference. Matt. What is yes. up with Indiana? What? Uh, okay. So this is a team that we thought, we both thought, right? Coming in yep. here, this is a team that could be near the top half, right? Yes. I felt pretty confident they were I thought they were, were going to make the team. tournament. Okay, yeah. I, I, I may not have been quite as high, but I was like, yeah, they're definitely one of the best teams in the top five in the conference. They have not looked like a top five team in the conference. What are they doing? You they want lost, a full so that, list of teams that Indiana has beaten this year? These are the teams that Indiana has beaten. Arkansas State, Southern, Western Kentucky, Chattanooga, North Texas, and Northern Kentucky. Hey, Is listen, Chattanooga is a tough they team. The they oh, lost yeah, sorry, sorry, they lost to Chattanooga. UAB, sorry. Yeah, they lost to the Moss. Ah, they beat UAB. That's, I, that, you made that worse. <laughs> oh, man. That's terrible. <laughs> that's it's pretty what? rough. They, they've left themselves That's, absolutely no room for error. They haven't picked up, you know, the last pod that you and I did together, Matt, we said, look, they still have Missouri and Virginia to play. Those could be resume-building wins. They went and lost both of those games. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like, you leave yourself no room for error. If you're Indiana, what does Indiana have to do in the Big Ten now to make the NCAA tournament? They probably they have probably, to be 12 oh, and 4. 10 wins? Nah. Yeah. 12? I don't even know if 10, 10, 10 wins is enough. You might, I think you yeah. need 11 or 12, especially because the Big Ten, you know, we saw what happened last year. Uh, I don't know if the, the committee is going to be kind to the Big Ten again this year. I think it, they are probably going to say there's 
three or four, maybe five good teams in the Big Ten and everyone else not going to get in. So I think Indiana might have – I don't want to say they've already sealed their fate, but they need to have a Big Ten campaign for the ages. All right, so we've gotten the Indiana elephant out of the room. Uh, on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, Amit, Rutger, a thing. They're good. They're they're great. They destroyed Fairly Dickinson. I mean, they're, okay. They are legitimately good. Like, the, the remember that, that's, the Seton Hall game? Seton Hall is a good team. Yep. And they came in and they just whooped Seton Hall. 70 to 45. This is a good Rutgers team. It's it's hard to say. It, it, it's impressive. Like, they, they have changed everything. It's not just the addition of Tyler Scaife. They That defense they showed last year, yeah, they scored, like, whatever, 40 points per game. But now that defense is still good from last year. And they add Tyler Scaife, they're winning some games. This is a solid team, and you look at their loss. Their one, they have two losses, but the one to South Carolina, they only lost by 10 to, you know, at the time, the second-best team in the country. This Rutgers team, they're making a real tournament campaign. They're making a real case to be, you know, the best team in the next tier behind the top three of the Big Ten, which I think is, you know, pretty clearly Maryland, Ohio State, Michigan. You know, they're getting really close Iowa? I, I think Iowa right now has that fourth spot, but Rutgers is, you know, asking the right questions. This team has really impressed me so far. And they also beat Temple earlier in the season as well. Yeah, wins against North Carolina State and Virginia. Those are good uh, resume wins. You mentioned the Seton Hall game. Yeah, it's been a complete turnaround. And, you know, look, Rutgers caught a lot of flack last year because uh, not only were they not very good, but there were times when they didn't look particularly interested. <laughs> Um, but they're back, and see, Vivian Stringer has, has turned this thing around and has her teams back to where we'd expect her teams to be. So full credit to her, full credit to this Rutgers team. They are done with their non-conference play. They've got a 12-day break. They hammered Houston by 18 to close out the non-con. They host Purdue and then go to Michigan State and play Illinois, Penn State, Purdue, Minnesota. Penn St- I mean, this team could start 8-0 in the Big Ten. They only play Maryland at the end of the year, they only play Ohio State once. That's towards the end of the year. We could be looking at Rutgers leading the Big Ten or tied for the Big Ten lead for quite some time. That's how good they are. It's that gauntlet at the beginning of February that you're talking about because they go to Maryland, host Michigan, to Ohio State, and then host Maryland. Yeah. That's a four-game stretch for them. That's a gauntlet for the ages. Like, that's I, where I, I don't know. know. That's, yeah. where that's, that's the big test. Yeah. It's a big test. If they can pull out at least one of those, I think you're feeling pretty good. They're 14th in RPI right now. Yep. That's second out of Big Ten teams because they're ahead of Iowa, Michigan, and Maryland is 45 in RPI. They've had a, a weird scheduling start to the season. But you think Rutgers, right? If they get 10 wins, are yep. they? Are, you think they're in, right? They, they've sure. given themselves a lot of room for error. Yes. I know obviously that four-game stretch is really tough. You, if you came out of that with one win, you'd feel you know pretty solid about your chances. I, I think I think you're absolutely right there. Uh, Iowa, a team that we've talked a lot about, Matt. We just really don't know. I think it's fair to say there are 11 wins. They've got none. They've got one of those 11 wins came against a power conference team. They went on the road to cross state rival Iowa State and won. They played a solid Florida State team at home in the Big Ten ACC Challenge and they lost by a point. You can't ask Iowa to necessarily do anything more with their schedule that was in front of them. But this is an Iowa team that even though they're in the top 25, Matt, they've got work to do in the Big Ten. They can't just coast and trust their non-conference to fall back on. 
yeah, they still have more work to do, but I think the talent is there yes, for this Iowa team. I think team. I agree with it's you. Still a, it's still a strong team, and they have showed that so far. And nothing that they have shown me has said that, you know what, maybe they've lost some of that talent from last year. Losing Disterhoff is going to be pretty big, but they seem to have not missed the beat. They got Davis back after that injury to end her season last year. She's back running point. Gustafson back in the paint. That's pretty good to build around that right there I feel like they got to be pretty happy with where they are now yeah they still have more work to do but they're playing good basketball you feel like you just carry that into conference play try to win 11 games maybe a little noise in the Big Ten tournament and I think they're playing in March Amit thoughts on Iowa anything you'd like to add you don't have to add anything I just wanted to give you the opportunity. no I want anything I think you know their Big Ten schedule will determine whether or not they can get in obviously as you said they took care of what they could take care of. But, you know, that's what you get when you when your your non-conference slate is pretty weak, is that you you leave yourself a lot more to prove in conference play. I think you guys nailed it. I'll be interested to see how this team, you know, shows up in Big Ten play. It's gonna be a really good year for the conference in that there's gonna be a lot of there's a lot of strength up and down the conference and the the like every game you feel, you know, one of the teams involved will probably have a chance to make some noise you know, on a bigger stage, you know, maybe the bottom of the conference, maybe not, but it, it, it should be a good year for the conference. We'll see what the, you know, so far the, the, the AP has, has taken a liking to some of the teams. So it's been good so far for the conference. For sure. Uh, guys, I would like okay. to propose the team that I would least like to be in the coming week. Uh, and that would be Coppin State, who on December 20th gets to play Maryland, a, you never want to play Maryland if you're a bad team because if there's one coach in the Big Ten who never well, how is up, that it's game at Coppin State? Number two, it's the first game for yeah, Eliana Kristinaki in a Maryland uniform. So you know Maryland oh, is going to no. play oh, no punches no. against Coppin State in that one. Yeah, yeah, that, oh, that reaction that's, is all you needed. That's right. Coppin State, uh, they do cop a lot of L's. L's. They're, they're going to be copping a lot of L's. They have yep. been. They've lost seven straight. It Uh-oh. just hasn't gone well. They picked yes. up the win against Mount St. Mary's. That's their only win. Oh, oh man. No. They're coming off a 101-43 loss to West Virginia. Oh, man. this is. I think it's a pretty good nomination for a team I don't want to be this week, Austin. Yeah. It's, a, it's a strong pick. Yeah. Not what you're looking for. Any other Big Ten storylines? Illinois is still beating really bad teams to get to nine and four while not convincing but, anybody but they're that winning, they're actually they're good. They're winning those games. The, the, I don't care who they're playing. They're going out there and winning basketball games. That's not something I expected them to be doing. So I would say they are exceeding my expectations. I, mean, I literally expect gonna... them to lose like maybe half of these games against all the random teams they play. I mean, like... Illinois gets to play Missouri on Friday. I don't think it'll go yeah, so well. Yeah, it's not going to go very well. No uh michigan they win like nine games last year though like this is like they won like i feel like they only won like nine games total last year they were pretty bad but they might only win nine games total this year oh no no. (laughs) (laughs) it's possible i was going with that uh michigan 10 and 2 i guess that's kind of what we hoped and expected from them from the non-conference uh they got a win against marquette that's probably the best thing they did in their non-conference slate uh, they're going to need to be careful in the Big Ten. You don't want to pick up bad losses, but this is still a really talented Michigan team. And yeah, how Minnesota. Yes, Minnesota's been they've been they've been pretty solid, and they have they still have some talent. 
the bad losses against San Diego. That's a game yep. they probably wanted to win. Yes. Um, but that's really that's their only bad loss. They have ten wins. You know, this is a team and, that and coming into the year you thought on the bus well. Yeah. yeah. They've, they've, they've they scheduled hard for themselves. Well, not hard, but, you know, a lot of Power 5 conference teams, it, it was good for them. I think they're a top-half team in this conference. They're in the top-half. I think I would definitely agree with that. Um, to maybe close this out, Matt, I think we should do a, uh, a where are they now, and I think we should focus in on former Nebraska star Jessica Shepard, who you encountered so the other day. On the court, and I was very confused with that because she was a sophomore at Nebraska last year. She transferred to Notre Dame. And as all of us know, and probably many people who follow college basketball closely know, there's an NCAA requirement that you have to sit out a year after transferring that's not a grad transfer. So Jessica Shepard on the court, not sitting out. I was very confused. After looking into that a bit more, apparently they applied for a waiver to the NCAA that said, hey, we have a lot of injured players. We'd really like to get Jessica Shepard on the court because she's really good. And the NCAA was like, okay. And then Shepard ended up on the court, and she dropped like 38 points uh, against DePaul and helped them win this weekend. So, whatever. She's still good. In case there, there was She's still questions. very good. Uh, one uh, final thing from me, and then, Amit, if you want to close this out, you can. Uh, the team that I would have least liked to be last week uh, was Savannah State who scored 24 points against Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is not a good basketball team. Oh, oh no. Oh, are they God. D1? Are they D1? Yeah. Whoa. Are they swack, swack, I think, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's rough. <laughs> there's, not even, there's not even anything to be said about that, really. <laughs> yeah, that, that's about it. Um, on that note, I think that wraps it up for another great episode of Crashing the Boards. You know, realizing that this uh, is a Tuesday a.m. tip-off, 11 a.m. Central Time, we'll probably drop this podcast tonight just so, you know, if, you, if you're really dying for this podcast, you can get in to listen. Maybe you have work in the morning. But uh, otherwise, listen to it on Tuesday. Hopefully some of the content here is still good the rest of the week ahead of the East Illinois game. That's our last podcast before the start of Big Ten play. That'll be really interesting, a lot of fun for us to talk about. We know, we, you know, we love that conference. But that about signs it off for me, Amit Malik, joined by Austin Miller from North Carolina, Matt McHugh from California. Thanks a lot for being on, guys. Make sure you tune in to both games this week on WNUR Sports.